You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Almighty God, we ask that you would make your Son present to us here this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is my favorite verse in all of Scripture, and this passage really unpacks this verse from St. Paul. I mean, did you hear what St. Paul is saying? He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. If that message is what this passage unpacks, we've got to first figure out what's been happening in the book of Romans before chapter 5, before the text that was just read. In Romans chapter 1, Paul writes that the Gentiles, those people, do terrible things. And he gets his audience to pat themselves on the back. Yeah, those people, they really are awful. But with Romans 2, we see that Paul has done what Paul does in other letters. He's reeled his audience in. He's reeled them in for the finishing blow. He writes, but you do the same thing. The very same thing. And in fact, it's worse because you have Torah. They don't. And then in Romans 3, one of the verses that we all know, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. The playing field has been leveled. There is now, therefore, no more us and them those people who are far worse than you and me. St. Paul makes clear that we have all screwed up. It's really bad news until it becomes the best news of all, that those people and that you and me are not made right with God by virtue of what we did or did not do. We are made right with God. As he says at the beginning of our passage, we have peace with God because of Christ's work and not our own. And this is where the theologians have come up with that sweet balm of Gilead, that doctrine of justification by faith. Not justification by what we've brought to the table, but justification by virtue of what Jesus has done for us and on our behalf. And this passage that was just read further unpacks this good news. Now, the whole text is incredible, but Simeon Zoll focused on the first half of this text earlier in the week, so I really want to focus in on the second half. Verse 6, for while we were weak, 
at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Not for the righteous, not for those doing just okay. He died for the ungodly. He doesn't stop there, though. He, we've already heard him say, this is for the weak, this is for the ungodly. But he goes so far as to say in verse 8, while we were still sinners. And then even further in verse 10, the metaphor is that you and I were not just ungodly, but we were enemies of God. It's a message that's hard to hear. It's really bad news because most of the time I think I'm a pretty okay human being. St. Paul won't have any of that. It's not those people we're the enemies of God. It's you and me, the ones who should have known better. But it is at that very point. In modern parlance, we might say, when you and I were unlovable, it was at that very moment that Christ chose to love you. The passage goes on to say, God has poured out his love into our hearts. It's as if this cup here, he's poured out his love into this cup and it is overflowing. We who were unlovable have been filled with his unbelievable affection, this indelible love. That's the good news of the gospel. But where the second half of this text takes it even one step further, where it really becomes too good to be true, is that if you're looking closely, it's not just that God and Jesus decided to die for unlovable people, but he goes so far as to say, and in this translation, it's much more, dot, 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 but how much more now that he has made enemies, his friends, how much more is he going to go the rest of the way for his friends? Do you get St. Paul's logic here? He starts off by saying that some of us, we might die for someone we love. We might die for a righteous person, for a child, but we're not going to die for someone who we don't deem lovable. It's just like what Matt Damon's character says in that movie, Interstellar. We can care deeply, selflessly about those we know, but that empathy rarely extends beyond our line of sight. He's made the argument that God in Jesus has gone beyond the line of sight, has loved the unlovable, but it gets better the logic goes, he's made his enemies his friends. So if he's already done the difficult work, much more so will he see that work through to completion. I mean, he, he writes how much more or much more surely a number of times. He's purposely redundant for effect. This whole week, I've been at pains to find an illustration that unpacks this, but Paul is so explicit, his language so vivid that it's hard to find. The best I can do is to say, is to think about the difficult task of landing on the moon. It took eight years, 
10 practice-run missions, more than 400,000 engineers, scientists, and technicians. And today's money, it costs roughly $180 billion. And not only all that, but everything had to go exactly right. You're not going to survive in space. It's got to go on point. It's as if the astronauts were to land on the moon, and then out of nowhere, Neil Armstrong says, I'm not going to step out. I'm not going to walk down those stairs. I'm not going to have that incredible one-liner that we all remember. That's the force of St. Paul's illustration here. The impossible task has been completed. How much more, now that he's done the hard work, will he do the easy bit? Imagine a friend lives in Colorado, and they're in trouble, and you've got to drive right now to go find them. You drive through rain, snow, fog, and you are not going to abandon your quest. When you arrive at the house, the skies are clear, the sun comes out, and all you have to do is walk along the garden path to ring the doorbell. That's the force of what St. Paul is saying here. It really is too good to be true. Nothing else in life works this way. You know this. If you don't perform at your job, they're going to chop you off. What What Paul is saying is that it's all God's work, and he's already done the hard part. He's going to see it through. You and I are safe. Maybe you've heard of the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. I'm not interested in saints persevering. I'm interested in the perseverance of God's love. And that is what St. Paul is saying. Friends, it's really, it's too good to be true. And yet this is what Paul is saying. Now, I don't know where you are this morning and what you bring with yourselves, but I know for a fact that I, Ben DeHart, feel unlovable about three-quarters of the time. I'm sure that's probably true for you. Maybe it's only a quarter for you because you're very special. But the good news of the gospel here is it is in those very places where you feel unlovable where I feel unlovable, that God chose to love us, that God chose in Jesus to die for us. He's done the impossible task. He is going to do the easy part of following through on his friends. At the end of his life, the British New Testament scholar F.F. Bruce was asked, What does it mean to be a Christian? And he responded with one sentence. He said, a Christian is someone who believes in the God who justifies the ungodly. That is the message of this passage. That is the message of Romans. That is the message of the New Testament. And it gets better. He now loves you and me 
who were once ungodly, who have become his friends, he's going to see it through to the end. We can be sure that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the balm of Gilead. This is the peace that passes all understanding. And it's true for you and me, no matter what you've done, what you will do, how lovable you feel, this is imputation. You are loved despite everything. And there's nothing that's going to wipe that away. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.